0: Hey, everybody, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Health Matters podcast. I'm so excited to have you tune back in to our podcast recorded live from the Health Conference 2023. Today, I have the privilege of hosting three incredible leaders in healthcare. First, I wanna introduce you to Dr. Harry Ritter. He is the founder and CEO of Alma. Also with us is our two leaders from EverNorth Behavioral Health, Doug Nemesek, who is the Chief Medical Officer of Evernorth Behavioral Health, and also Melissa Riley, the Chief Strategy Officer of Evernorth Behavioral Health. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. So glad you could join us.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: It's great. It's a pleasure to have you guys here. Now, we're going to be covering a lot of great things on the work that you guys do at Evernorth Behavioral Health and also, Harry, at your company. But before we do, it'd be nice to have the listeners get to know a little bit more about everyone. What is it that got you and involved in healthcare innovation.
2: Well, I can go first. I'm Doug Nemesek, the chief medical officer at Evernorth Behavioral Health. and. What I'd say is I recall as a psychiatrist just being in practice, how much I just wished we had better ways to take care of people, better treatments, better options of care and really could make it simple and easy for people to get better from whatever was causing issues with their mental health or from a substance use perspective. And so from that, just got really interested in what's the innovation and how can we really all partner together to make this journey better for people.
0: Love it, Doug. Thank you for that.
1: I guess I'll go next. And so, well, I don't know that a lot of people know this about me, but I'm a second generation innovative health company employees. So both my parents were in health insurance. So it just seemed really natural after law school when I was looking for a job. The place that I would look is at a health insurance company. And I have really found a place over the last 20 years in the space, always kind of at the forefront of new product innovation. And so when Evernorth called talking about, hey, they want to do behavioral health differently, it just seemed like such a natural and perfect fit to take the role.
0: I love it, Melissa. Thank you for sharing that. And Harry,
3: I guess for me, it started in medical training. So I didn't get as far as Doug. I was doing my internal medicine training and at Mass General Hospital up in Boston. And I had this, one of those conversations that changes your life with my program director there, Dr. San Bazari, who is one of the most legendary leaders and educators in healthcare and medicine. And I had said to him, I love healthcare. I was in the hospital doing all that work, but I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do clinically. And he said to me at the program, we're in the business of meeting, building leaders in healthcare. And you should do that in whatever way is right for you. And so that was what gave me the courage to start exploring alternative career paths in healthcare, led me to McKinsey and then Oscar Health and then to Alma, and really gave me the courage to seek out different ways of tackling these massive systemic problems we have in healthcare.
0: Love it. Thank you for that, Harry. And look, we all enter healthcare in our own ways. Some legacy, like with Melissa, and some through the health system, but others get into business. And so at the end of the day, we're all here to make a difference. I'd love to visit with all of you on how your organization adds value to the health system and patients. So both from the Alma front, but also the Evernorth Behavioral Health.
3: Yeah, I can start there. So at Alma, we are a platform that helps behavioral health clinicians come together, provide modern care through a technology and infrastructure that we make available to them and allows them to also participate in insurance and be part of the broader healthcare system. So today we work with around 16,000 providers in all 50 states, helping them build successful private practices that can accept insurance. The innovation for us, we really begin with a provider obsession. I, as a clinician, feel that Healthcare providers are the most precious asset we have are none in healthcare today. And we have to do everything we can to really support and empower these incredible resources that we have. And mental health is a very interesting space because for years and years, most clinicians were really independent single shingle providers out there on their own, one-person businesses, trying to build a practice and run a business at the same time. And what we've been able to do using technology, using the service platform that we've built is really bring these providers together into a community of practice, empowered and enabled through our underlying technology platform to really enter the modern healthcare system, work with amazing partners like Evernorth to help them succeed in delivering affordable care that is high quality and is having the maximum impact. And I think that's really, that sort of workforce transformation and bringing these providers together to support the business has really been, I think, our biggest contribution so far. And I'm really excited about, you know, what else we'll be able to do together on that front.
0: Thank you, Harry. Really appreciate you sharing that. Doug, Melissa, how about the Evernorth Behavioral Health Program?
2: Yeah, I would say, as Harry talked about, providing better care uh, for individuals, that's something that we're really focused on as well. And part of my role is to make sure everybody has access to high-quality behavioral health care. And what we're doing at Evernorth is really trying to make sure that we can simplify this complex behavioral health journey for people and make it simple for them to get to high-quality care. And we know if we can do that, that everybody will then be able to function better at home and at work and in their community. And for us, we do that by leveraging the data that we have across medical and behavioral and pharmacy interventions and claims and everything else that's at our fingertips, and then partnering with groups like Harry and Alma to make sure that we then can make all the right connections and get people simply to the care that they need.
1: And Doug, if I can add, I think one of the most challenging things in being affiliated with the payers, there's a little bit of stigma around payers right now. And so what Doug and I really try to do all the time when we're out talking together, you know, we sometimes refer to ourselves as the Melissa and Doug show, is we're a little bit trying to change that perception of a payer from someone that denies care. I mean, I could actually count on my fingers, the number of minutes I actually think about not getting people access to care. And the majority of my time, 99 to 100 percent, is really spent around how do we get more people to care? And really changing that narrative is so important as we spend time together today.
0: That's great. No, I really, really appreciate it. And, And, you know, it's refreshing to speak with you three specifically on this behavioral health piece, which a lot of people struggle with. And we have a lot of sort of a hangover, so to speak, on behavioral health after COVID. I know it's still around, but you know, the tough times with COVID. And so this topic of how do we improve and get better and measurement comes to the forefront, right? Why is measurement so important when providing behavioral care?
2: So I would say I've seen even inpatient care and things just how difficult it is for everybody to navigate the system and find that quality care that we started talking about. And measurement-based care really represents one of the most critical components in really strengthening and optimizing the care for our members at Evernorth. And it also allows us to really align and deepen our relationships with provider groups like Alma. And to make that real then, Our measurement-based care strategy really involves building that collaboration with our key outpatient provider groups that share that commitment to quality outcomes and then working with them to co-create interventions that benefit everybody, the patient, the provider, as well as those that are purchasing and paying for the healthcare at the end. So our goal ultimately is really to lead the industry through measurement-based care partnerships like this with ALMA and others that deliver best-in-class access to high-quality care. Care, they deliver optimal clinical outcomes and really do will drive affordability across all the stakeholders.
1: I love that. Thanks, Doug. And I think for our listeners, the piece we really keep in mind is that customer journey. And how do we embed some of those shared metrics into the journey? How do you call and or text or chat and say, I need help? How do you figure out what that help looks like? And as we embed these shared metrics in that journey, we believe that our health plans, those payers, providers, and even those employers will all develop insight into what's working, what needs to be course corrected in a way that will benefit everyone. And really, as Evernorth, we very much understand the need for those assessments to say, where are you in that journey? How do we find those burdens that stop you from getting care, take those burdens down in a way that gives you the care that you want and need as you need it. And we think this will ultimately demonstrate a need for less of that oversight that gives sometimes those health services companies not the reputation that we all want.
3: I would just add, am listening, Doug, you both are speaking so eloquently on this topic. You know, I think one of the other things I love about measurement as a concept is that when you measure, you're forced to ask the question, measure what? What are we measuring and why does it matter? And that conversation is so important. I think this is a spot where Melissa and Doug have been phenomenal partners to Alma. And, you know, we've really tried to bring that provider point of view. So we did a recent survey over 200 clinicians. We asked them about their views and impressions of measurement-based care and how we think about quality as a concept in behavioral health. Two things I think are really interesting. First of all, 87% of clinicians responded saying, even without any requirement from anyone else, we use clinical assessments routinely in our care, most often in particular at the beginning of care as a way of understanding the needs of the patient that's coming to you, right? But also interestingly was that when we asked providers, what do you think is the most important element of quality, ranked just as high as reducing client symptoms, which is what a lot of our current measures do, They talked about the important to think about client functioning and how do we think about and measure client functioning or the strength of the client therapist relationship. And so what measurement based care enables is not only the opportunity to power all the things that Doug and Melissa mentioned, but also the space for the dialogue about really what is quality, what are we trying to do collectively and how do we start to adapt even more expansive understandings of what really drives at the end of the day, the outcomes that matter in the world. And I think that's a really important part of what
0: this movement does is create space for that dialogue. Yeah. Thank you for that, Harry. And great discussion too. You know, at the end of the day, we do want to level set on what is quality and from a payer provider to the employer, in many cases that's seeking this care for their employees or government institutions. So this is a great, great collaboration that I see between two great organizations. What do you see as the biggest barrier to implementing value-based approaches in patient care? I know, Harry, you sort of brought up that topic.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll start with two things and I'm sure Doug and Melissa may have other thoughts to contribute here. Doug has a maxim he often repeats, which I think is absolutely right, which is what is measured improves, right? When we measure things, when we think about the data, when we look at the data, we take the time to ask the question why and start to develop the solutions and initiatives that move the ball forward. In this space, two challenges that I think are really important to think about. The first is provider trust. Providers today experience a certain level of baseline mistrust, particularly in behavioral health, of the broader healthcare system. You know, we asked in our survey, this question, right? And 74% of the respondents, the providers said that they're not confident they understand how clinical data will be used if they are sharing it in this kind of a context. So how do we really build that trust? How do we come alongside our payer partners, have the discussion like Melissa mentioned, right? That this is about getting people to care, not preventing people from getting care. This is about improving access, not about trying to limit it, right? And how do we have that conversation in a really thoughtful and good way? I think the second piece here that is related to provider trust is really around data security, privacy. And consent. I think we live in a moment where our data, our information is so easily spreadable and, and out there in the world. And so building that sense of real trust that the organizations that are going to be interacting with these kinds of topics and data elements are going to be doing it in ways that are really thoughtful, really transparent, I think is a second really critical element to really uh, overcoming some of the barriers that exist today.
2: Yeah, Harry, thanks. I couldn't agree more with what you were saying, and you laid out great examples of how we all need to work together to truly make measurement-based care work and then make it sustainable. This has to be something that we don't just do for three months, but we've got to do this in an ongoing, sustainable way. I'll just add, I think that implementing measurement-based care really requires working through these challenges together. And for us, that means aligning across a broad and really varied clinician population out there and even trying to decide on what are the standard metrics we're all going to agree to use at first. And then iterating on that together as we build trust, as we work together and really continue to evolve and make sure that the measures continue to grow with what's most helpful for the clinicians as well as for the payers and ultimately the patient, right? So once we can do this together, once we accomplish all this, I think we then need to just think about how do we make this solution that we've built now around measurement-based care sort of comprehensive and then flexible so that as Evernorth we can start to scale this across payers, across platforms, across providers, and across the country to really meet the unique needs of all of us, as everybody who needs to access mental health and behavioral health care. Thank you,
0: Doug. And thank you, Harry. Melissa, any thoughts on that before we move on to the next question that I had here for you guys?
1: I think I'm very aligned with our two doctors, our clinicians in their beliefs and and what they've shared so far. I think it really just leads into that idea of like alignment and the shared value. And the alignment just continues to be so important.
0: Love that. Yeah. And you know, on the topic of alignment, it's about partnerships, right? And At the conference, one of the themes that we have been hearing about consistently is collaboration as the top currency, because we can't do it all alone. I'd love if you guys could share some of the highlights and maybe even a challenge or two and bright spots of working together to make value-based care in this space a reality.
1: Yeah, so I can probably start with that one. First of all, I am just so thankful and grateful for the partnership and the idea that we have this opportunity to collaborate differently. We so believe that it actually takes everyone leaning in a little bit and kind of moving from maybe what traditionally would have been an adversarial position into one of collaboration. That is probably the biggest opportunity in terms of getting the space to kind of put your point of views on the table and then lean into some of what we've discussed before around what is quality to each of us and what are the measures we might want to focus on first. I think for me, that has been, you know, having that space and the time to collaborate and really to align has probably been that biggest step forward. And maybe wrapping it with that idea of like starting small and keeping it simple. I think when we originally started working together, our whiteboard was full of all the things we could do. But I remember us taking a pause and, you know, we'll invite Doug and Harry to kind of add on a little bit more as well. We took that pause and said, how do we keep this small? How do we test and learn with the pilot so that we didn't overcommit so that we could really say this was our goal for that first round?
3: I remember that. We'll see very clearly we, in those initial conversations, because we all are so passionate about this space, I think we had three whiteboards up, if I remember correctly. And right, we really started to kind of paint this picture of the world we want to see and create. And I think there's two elements of this. One is you have to be honest about what you can and you can't do. You have to be clear eyed, right? There's a tendency, and I think this is particularly true of businesses like ours that, you know, we have an opportunity to partner with someone like Evernorth. It's a really big opportunity for us. And so we want to say yes. We want to figure out ways to make it all happen, but being clear and honest and saying, look, these are the things we can do. These are the things we can't. This is the things we can do this year. And these are the things we can do next year, I think goes a long way. And as you said, Melissa, starting small, because I think what we've seen is little wins accelerate the velocity to bigger wins. And so if we look back at some of the work we've done together around care collaboration, around implementing our first stages of value-based contracting together, each of those wins, in my view, actually accelerates the speed to get to the next checkpoint along the growth path. And that's something that I think, you know, we've been really but felt very privileged with Melissa and Doug and others on the Evernorth team to be able to do together is kind of chalk up those wins, build confidence and see the momentum continue to grow.
2: Yeah, I think what Melissa and Harry, you guys shared is really key. And for me, if I go back to my introduction earlier, when I said I got excited about innovation when I was in practice and wanted to find better ways to provide care, that's what excites me about what we're doing here, because we are really changing the system, making it simple and easy for people. And ultimately for the listeners, as they are their family members, members have to go out and find behavioral health care. I think this is going to really make it something that they can feel comfortable with, makes it easy for them and gets them the, those best outcomes that they need. And that's what's really exciting.
0: Love it, guys. This is certainly an exciting collaboration. A lot of themes have come up in our conversation, the themes of trust and what is quality and how do we measure it? And at the head of it all, access. Harry, you talked about precious provider resources, and I couldn't agree with you more and to Melissa and Duck's point, right? Getting people the care that they need where they are. Those small projects that you guys started with have scaled to something meaningful. So really want to give you guys huge kudos for the work that's been done by both Alma and also Evernorth Behavioral Health. So look, as we close this podcast today, I'd love to invite the listeners to a call to action. And I'd love to have all of you guys leave them with something that they could do or think about. I'll start there. The
3: biggest challenge we have, I think, today, and it's particularly true right now, is information overload and not enough human connection. And so I think the one piece of advice I would give to listeners is sometimes less is more, right? It's true in the context of partnership and collaboration, but I think it's also true in the context of life. What's one thing, as opposed to always asking the question, what's one thing I can do to support my mental health? I think another way of framing it is, what is one thing I can stop doing to support my mental health? So folks want to reach out to me, for example, you're not going to find me on social media, uh, except for LinkedIn, right? That's something I realized was a good thing to give up to improve mental health. And I think that's just a helpful framing. Sometimes it's what's one thing I can give up, not what's one more thing I can do.
2: I agree, Harry, I think that's really important. I would just also uh, ask everybody who's listened today to, to recognize that, hey, we are making the system simpler and easier to use. And while many of us get scared to reach out, ask for help, or to raise our hand, there's lots of clinicians out there, there's lots of support services available, there's lots of other types of information available. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. Many people have an employee assistance program through their work and other places where there's lots of help available. One of the things we learned from the pandemic was that absolutely every one of us was compounded with all the stress that that caused in our lives. And we all have the opportunity to take advantage of the resources and clinicians like Alma that are available out there to help us function better and improve our emotional health and wellness.
1: Well, you guys are such you, my sir. favorite because I think you always steal mine from, I was going to say, ruthlessly prioritize. That's one of my mottos, but Harry took that. And Doug was really leaning into the one I was going to go next, which which was assume positive intent. So I think where I will just close with is maybe a double down of that in terms of I've been most delighted and surprised in my life. When, you know, I've walked in with the mentality of assuming positive intent, like even if you end up with someone that maybe underperforms or doesn't match your expectations, if you look for those helpers, you're often most surprised. And so, you know, I'll I'll stay with that. I think there are a lot of helpers out there that are willing to help when people need it.
0: That's great. Well, Melissa, that's a testament to the alignment between you three and obviously the two organizations. Love that. Folks, take action. One less thing. You know, what's one less thing you could do ask for help, and assume the best. We've got two great organizations here, leading The Way in Behavioral Health. Can't thank all of you enough in the show notes. We're gonna leave ways for you all to get in touch with Harry at Alma, as well as Doug and Melissa at Evernorth Behavioral Health. So make sure you take action on what you listen to today because health matters and behavioral health matters. And with that, I wanna thank all of you for your participation, Harry, Doug, and Melissa for being with us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much.